Yo, yo, yo. How's everybody doing? I'm obviously Ferris Bueller, and this is my podcast, How to Get Away with Taking a Day Off School. Oh, boy. So, May long weekend. I hope everybody had a good one. For me, uh, some coffee. I mean, it's about 7 a.m. here now. Couldn't sleep. Sometimes I just can't sleep. And I guess that's a, I mean, I'm getting cabin fever. Probably like us all. And I certainly don't want to uh, be pitied or I'm not talking like a victim because all kinds of people are going through a rough time, right? But um, I'm making the best of it. But, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're wondering about your own uh, feelings, anxiety, depression, whatever it might be. I mean, this, this shit's going to cause anxiety, right? You just got to realize that and just try to, like I said, harness the energy the right way. It sucks. I mean, for people like me, and there's lots of us, like to be social. Then this is going to suck. That's it. And uh, each day I get up and, you know, I've really, my, my automatic default setting in my brain when I wake up would be like immediately to call my buddies, get a street hockey game or something. I, I know I'm in my 40s, but we still do that. Um, just some kind of team sport or get together, you know, or even when we go jogging and stuff, man, we do it together. Um, and St. John's has so many cool places that we, I mean, you still can social distancing. It's just, you know, a little bit of a kick in the ass, let's be honest. But the other side of it is that this shit got to happen. Now, here in Newfoundland, we're unique. We've had two or three weeks with nothing. I don't know how we're going to approach it, but, I mean, again, I try to, and by the way, I don't want to get into it now, but I'll get into it later. But I'm a science guy. All this anti-science shit, that's got to stop. Man, there's a huge, huge portion of the population that is anti-science for some reason. That's where we should be going. This is why I always said, you know, the religion, it gets in the way of like, it's good. You know, I know people have faith and, you know, you believe in certain things because it's your moral compass, but still she's watching news the other day, right? Literally people going, it doesn't matter. Praise Jesus. This is supposed to happen. Didn't you read the Bible? Armageddon, doomsday. This is supposed to happen. You start thinking like that. We're all fucked. Now I don't want to get into that now. I'll get into it later. So, sorry for the minute diversion, but I'm fucking this close to going on a fucking hour-long rant because there's certain things I'm watching that are absolutely unbelievable. And anyway, you want to listen to that? Maybe later. I do want to talk about Damien Follett, my guest today, uh, and uh, such a positive light. And this guy's a... Locally, he's a legend. It, it, when people, you know, the word legend is thrown around. And I, 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 some people say it about, like me, they'll, they'll send me a message. And, hey, buddy, you legend. You, you know, played for the Montreal Canadiens or, or, or went on spitting chicklets. And you guys are legends. And, no, man. Um, the, the, well, that word. And I really do appreciate it. It's great. And, and, you know, everybody, I guess, could be a legend in their own way if they put their mind to something. And. Uh, you know, locally, there's all kinds of legends here. Uh, again, I don't consider myself one um, at all. I'm a, you know, what the fucking legend? A, a legend 
in my mind, there might be two or three ever from the province. And when I was, without getting into there, we all have different meanings of the word legend. But this guest that I have, Damien Follett, I do consider him a legend. He's a wicked songwriter, but the, he brings people together. And I figured, why fucking not? A lot of people on the mainland won't know my guest today. Uh, but you can find his stuff. Um, it's on spot. It's just getting there. Damien was a little late in getting to that. But uh, he's been in... Uh, I remember Damien was in Rogue's Gallery. I forgot how much I liked a couple of their songs until I did some searching for this show. Um, and, and, you know, that was 30 years ago. Damien's 50 now, I guess. Maybe early 50s. But, uh, you know, he's just, he, he writes a lot of songs about Newfoundland uh, in the same way John Cougar Mellencamp or John Mellencamp would have when he was younger. You know, small town, light paper and fire, uh, cherry, was it outside the curb, cherry, cherry bomb, uh, rain on the scarecrow. A lot of these songs about the Midwest and, and kind of middle class, uh, blue collar America, Midwest. Damien Follett has the same kind of songs about Newfoundland. Uh, and a lot of Newfoundland bands write about Newfoundland um, because it's such a unique spot and we're in the position of uh, a, a completely unique and biased position, which is good when it comes to songwriting, uh, of just thinking our province is, uh, well, it is beautiful, but, you know, we love it. We wouldn't be anywhere else. That's why you see so many Newfoundlanders um, all across the world, uh, definitely in every province, there's a Newfoundland bar. Have you ever noticed that? If you're, if you're in Ontario there's, or Alberta, there's, there's lots, I know, in those places. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's called the Newfoundland bar or just a, a bunch of Newfoundlanders go there and hang out, you know, we really, really love our home. We miss our home. It brings us together. Again, I played all over the world playing pro hockey. Uh, even the last, I, I won't even talk about Montreal, but the, the last team I played on was the Orlando Seals, and we won the championship. What a blast that was. And um, it was just a great time. And I could have stayed there. I was offered a job as a real estate agent, which I fucking would have sucked at. But down there, and you're in Orlando, I, I, you know, enough of the guys, the ex-players do it because, you know, fans wanted to hang out with them. And, and you know, then you could, after a while, the boys learn what they're doing. I mean, give me a year at anything if, if you're going to put any time into it, you're probably going to be okay. Mm. Sorry, I'm drinking coffee, man. It's really loud. Um, but yeah, I, I loved Orlando. I, you know, I could have stayed there. I had some great contacts in, in Boise and Tri-City, especially uh, Tri-City. All kinds of places that a hockey player plays and, and, and you know, you, you, you might get traded. You, you might be a free agent. But all these travels, you know, there is a downside that comes with having to change teams, but the upside, I, there's lots of, of downsides and upsides, but one of the men I always found, you can, you know, you're looked up to in the community. So, and, and, you know, you do all kinds of charitable work. Todd Skirving this year in Newfoundland, a great player for these, for the Newfoundland Growlers. And he was the humanitarian of the, of the year award. Uh, won it. Um, you always were too far from seeing Todd at a, hospital at a public event always a great spokesman for the growlers uh, and he wasn't the only one the growlers actually here in newfoundland did a great job uh everybody involved a phenomenal job this year and last not only winning but really being involved in the community and i think that's real important if you're not involved in the community i'm not trying to be cliche or 
sugarcoat anything here. I, but, you know, I loved playing hockey. A lot goes in hand with that. You, you, I loved, one of the reasons I loved playing was the connection to the community. And immediately you're, you're on this pedestal. And you should, if you're a professional hockey player, appreciate that. And a lot of people don't realize that when that runs out, I don't want to say you're just somebody else in the community. I mean, we're all, you know, at no point am I putting anybody above anybody. I'm just saying when you play with the Newfoundland Grounders, you are on a bit of a pedestal, if nothing else for the kids, right? And when you can really connect and make positive energy out of that, you know, the whole idea of like pay it forward kind of thing. One of the kids, grade three or four, well, my daughter, Penny Lane, she doesn't play hockey. She knows who Todd Skirving is, but she knows all, you know, my buddies. I got James Melindy and Jack, Zach O'Brien, Marcus Power. They're great friends on the Growlers. So, you know, Penny Lane gets to meet some professional athletes and, and really takes in their, you know, their positive energy. I wouldn't introduce them even to her if not. Uh, I, I'd bring Penny Lane often to my competitive events. Uh, and some of the guys come to her uh, soccer events once in a while. And uh, sports, you know, are just all inclusive. I love that. How I can take Penny Lane and a couple of her friends that play soccer to a Growlers game. They're, they're not really interested even in playing hockey. They just love it. And they, they get it. It's a team. There's a goal, just like soccer. We got to put it in the net. Now, how are we going to do that? We all got to work together here. How are we going to do it? You can't take a penalty, James. Zach, you're going to have to be in on the goal. There's five of us out here. You're our leading scorer. Marcus, maybe set him up. You know, the goalie got to play well. The role players, when you get out there, you know, do your job. <clears throat> Make the hit. Block the shot. It's how are you going to do that? It's very similar. So you bring a soccer player to watch a hockey game. It doesn't take them long to, to catch on or, or vice versa. And I love that. I go to all sports I play as many as I can, but no, I man, I go to lots. I go to watch uh, <clears throat> Memorial University basketball, for example. Great brand, always have. Uh, real, real, really love the team sports. I'm kind of drifting, but anyway, that comes. Newfoundland is kind of like that. We all feel like we're playing on a team. We all feel like when we leave, we're not too far. It won't be too long before we come back. And you know, as soon as you get to where you're going, you play the Newfoundland music. A lot of us. Do the old cliche and throw up the Newfoundland flag on the window. I'm sure fucking all you mainlanders have been annoyed by that at some point. See a new big Newfoundland flag in the window, right? Or the Republic of Newfoundland, pink, white, green. Great big sea blasting in the background, Towton's being made, Jig's dinner, right? We, we, we got, we've got a lot to be proud of in our culture, but I, I really do believe that over the years, the reasons for all this, 400 years, man, we've been around since 1605 or some shit. Was the first, it was the first year-round settlement in North America, John Guy and Cupids, which is not far, you hockey fans, from where Danny Cleary's from. I mean, like a short drive on a quad. You know, it's, it's not far. It's the same bay. bay. It's all called um, Conception Bay North. I mean, a lot of people who followed my career in 2012, 2013, I played for the uh, CBN Seabees. That's Conception Bay North. Harbor Grace, in other words, Harbor Grace, Bay Roberts. It's all that area. Great, great, great talents. That one year, we had Robert Slaney, who just retired uh, that year in 13 and became a doctor of all fucking things. People that don't think hockey players have sense or can go to school, we do. We get school. If you play major junior, you get money to go towards it. Uh, 
Robert played in the queue. Had a big year with Cape Breton. I got drafted to the Montreal Canadiens, played in Hamilton. And uh, when he retired, most of his schooling was paid for. So it's a lot of you kids, I'm drifting again, but, you know, here it is. We're in COVID. I'm just fucking talking. Most of it makes sense. It's just how I get there is completely off the wall because um, I don't remember how I got here. But there is, there's uh, a lot of people think that you, could, you have to go either if you want to learn, if you want to do your schooling, that you have to go NCAA. But no, Major Junior provides it too. Uh, you just have to go after. You have to, you finish your Major Junior, so you go, you, you're allowed to go. Now, when I lived in Tri-City, I took some courses at the local um, branch of Washington State University. Washington State University, of course, is in Spokane. University of Washington's in Seattle. We had campuses of both in Kennewick, uh, Richland, Pasco, which was the Tri-Cities. And, you know, we all took a course or two, but then when you're done, and the team pays for it, they have to. And when you're done, they give you um, so much money for every year. You play. So if you play three years, you get three full years of schooling or four. No different than if you played NCAA. I mean, there are differences, but it's basically the same gist. You get your fucking free schooling, right? And if I was a kid, that's what I would be going for. That is what I was going for. Um, and sometimes you, you, you end up excelling and, and getting drafted to the NHL and playing. That's awesome. But if, if I was playing, that's what I would – the ultimate goal, which everybody that plays major junior can achieve, is multiple years of free schooling. And I love that about uh, Canadian Hockey League. But anyway, we feel like in Newfoundland – that we're on, on a big team and I can't speak for everybody, but I don't think it takes a genius to observe and dissect that thought and come to a conclusion that we're pretty tight. We're pretty tight. So anyway, where am I going with this? Well, Damien is a true blue Newfoundlander. He, Damien writes in Nashville. He writes for other people. He's not just a, uh, you know, a singer. He's a songwriter, and he's a good songwriter. And he loves Newfoundland, and had family here, and chose to stay here. I know Damien could be a lot more f famous. Is the wrong word. You know, people don't. He doesn't do it for fame. He could be a, a lot more well known, and I guess popular and successful of a musician. If if you can consider success CD sales, yeah, had he moved years ago. We all know that, but he didn't. He loves Newfoundland. He stayed here. He has the odd excursion, from what I understand, we'll ask him about today, down to Nashville. Uh, at the very least, I know he's toured. But for 20 years, 20, he was the house musician at Greensleeves. A lot of you people that were hockey players, at least, that came here with other teams to George Street, which still happens. Greensleeves is one of the main, one of the cornerstones. It's... I believe Greensleeves is the oldest bar on George Street. My, my good buddy, Stephen Hancock, runs it now. His dad, Dick, started it when he was a little bit younger than us. Way, 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 way back. Uh, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing around 1980 uh, that the actual bar scene that you know of George Street now started to take shape. There were retail outlets still on there. Uh, I believe there was a laundromat. There, 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 was, there was a few things on George Street. It, it morphed into eventually being only bars or restaurants. So the famous George Street Festival that you all hear of now and 
I'm sure most Canadians have heard of George Street, like you would hear of Crescent Street in Montreal, say, um, or White Avenue in Edmonton. I can keep going. Uh, <clears throat> but ours is really unique in that there's no traffic allowed on it. Uh, at certain points of the year, usually the weekends, you know, they'll shut it down and, and you can you just pay cover to get on the street as opposed to cover in each bar. And that was quite a bit. Uh, we got a stage in the middle of the street. So during, say, Oktoberfest or Canada Day celebrations or George Street Fest, just to name a few, and you get the Regatta Day celebrations, well, you'll have a live band on there. So a lot of the time it's a local band. Uh, but, you know, that's what I told often the, the Prince, uh, the uh, Spin Doctors story about how we met the Spin Doctors uh, senior that was at George Street Fest. They were playing Sam Roberts, uh, Tom Cochran. Oh, God. The, every year, the George Street Fest has bands every night. has like four or five. So for me to just list who they would be every time, you know, would be a little bit tedious and time-consuming. But just, no, there's, it's always a, a pretty great uh, band that everybody can get into, you know, hence Tom Cochran. Oh, uh, Third Eye Blind, I really enjoyed a couple years ago. And uh, so the George Street, it, it's always got a lot of energy. And just even in the, in the morning when people are delivering, the trucks are delivering, right? And you hit the odd downtowner, uh, starts boozing in Newfoundland. You know, you get out of the blue star at like fucking 9.30 a.m., you know, uh, and they just want to shoot the shit. I used to deliver Red Bull. And uh, I had George Street was, you know, that whole thing was all my accounts. So I used to love just pulling in and talking to the local skippers that, just have a different schedule or don't give a fuck. They just go for beers at 9 a.m., uh, right? And uh, always good for a conversation, old school Newfoundlanders. Uh, and our downtown is very European. Well, the, George Street is kind of what makes our downtown tick for a lot of people. And there's no restaurants or anything on there. In the pubs, you can, you can get food. Sundance, Greensleeves, Kelly's, O'Reilly's. Yellow, yellow belly. Um, there's, there's all, a lot of fun can be had. You can go to George Street, honestly, in the morning. I often do it. And the, the, it's also right next to the St. John's Harbor. So all the, the, the tour boats go on. A lot of fishing boats, but a lot of the tour boats, say the Skidemi is one. So I've often gone down in the morning uh, to have brunch, maybe, maybe 11 or 12, have brunch, maybe at Merchant Tavern and a couple beers. Uh, head over and go out on a boat. Last summer, we did this a few times, right? When Anybody who's seen me on Spit and Chicklets, that was what it was. We went out on the Skidemia, I think, or maybe it was O'Brien's boat tour, whatever it was. It was I'm giving free advertising here, but whatever. It's, uh, it's the boat tour that leaves right out of uh, the St. John's Harbor. That's right next to George Street. So when you saw me and Biz get off the boat, we walked about 200 feet and we, I think I threw a pile of shit on him. <laughs> Dog shit. If I believe that, that, that was right there. George street is, is right there. That's where we went. We walked in and in the bar in the clip, it's green sleeves. I think I get on stage and that's known to happen. So, you know, a lot of places you go, I've been and, you know, people want to sing a song and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Or, the, or the, the, the band is up there going, yeah, right. Like, we're paid band here. We're not going to let you sing a song. Well, I'm as bad as anybody. I go downtown, man, and uh, Damien must be fucking me. He'll, he'll tell us. That he must be sick of me going there because I get drunk, and I'm usually down there with the boys. And a lot of times, I'm, I'm, you know, people come here to visit. Every weekend in the summer, people visit, and people coordinate it. They'll text me and go, 
uh, you know, T-Bone, how much time do you have? I want to check out George Street. I want to see Signal Hill. I want to do whatever. And I feel like a bad host if I not do that. A lot of them, you know, I've been, I met on the mainland playing hockey or, or fans or whatever it might be, or in the films at this point. A lot of people come from the movie industry that I've met over the years. And, you know, I'll take them around. And I almost feel bad if I don't because it's my one chance, you know, like uh, this, this winter, for example, this fall, last fall, Frank Bannum, a great hockey player. Anybody that knows the WHL, Frankie had 80 goals, man. What a player. Snipe show. Um, and played and had deep, like, I can't remember his stats in the NHL. They were, like, I remember we played against Anaheim. I, one game I dressed for Montreal. I think I fought Doug Huda. Um, I remember Frankie scoring. And I just thought he'd stay. He had like a decent amount of goals. I think in like 20 games, he had like seven goals. I know it's around that. In the NHL, man. Uh, and got sent down, just scored wherever he went. Anyway, Frankie came and he used to play for Saskatoon. I didn't play on his team, but he reached out. And of course, man, of course I'll take you out. So we went out and had a bite to eat. And, uh, I, we, I guess he was only here for a few hours, but at the very least, we went to a nice local establishment and uh, had a great chat. So that happens a lot. And George Street is where you often end up. Well, Damien played at Greensleeves for 20 years. Now, he still plays there, here and there. Green Sleeves now. There's a Green Sleeves uptown. and There's all kinds of places around the city that Damien would play. But for 20 years at Green Sleeves, uh, he was the house band. And uh, just a fantastic guy. A lot of songs about Newfoundland. A lot of songs about positivity. That's what I love about Damien. He's like the rock when it comes to movies. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know if the rock consciously decides to only be in positive movies. I, I don't know, but I've never seen him like a villain. Like now at this point, I'm going, okay, like I've seen like 15 movies. I'm not a huge rock fan. I really, I really like him though. He seems like a nice guy. Seems to really embrace positive living. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I know people that know him. We worked on Frontier. Brad Payton is a good friend of his. Alan Hawko. I'd love to get their take of this guy. Seems like a positive guy. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he doesn't really take many chances. Um, that, that saying Damien doesn't, saying The Rock seems comfortable being that guy. Uh, even Moana, who's watching a kid's movie the other day, and it's The Rock. I'm like, man, great on him, though. Great on him. There's a lot of shit going around, uh, a lot of negativity. So good on him. Well, Damien's kind of the same. I won't say Damien's a great artist now. Uh, writes his own stuff and it's not all happy go lucky <laughs> you know cartoon bluebirds buzzing around his head it's not all rainbows but damien does his best and i th to 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 bring out positivity over the years i think it's it's it, lately it's taken on a new form because of all the grief in the world i mean do i need to give examples do i need to at this moment, um, but because of all that, and just a great guy that he is, you know, Damon, I think consciously, we'll find out, but I, we, I think he consciously decided a few years ago to write about, you know, all the positive parts of life. And uh, I'm not sure if that's, you know, he's getting up there. I, sometimes I feel like that, I'm 43. And uh, I often, what's the word? I'll err on the side of, positivity or caution.
you know, and that comes into all aspects of life. You talk about the road rage, for example. You know, I, I'm less quick to bump the horn. Yeah, yeah, I used to do it all. You know, yell out the fucking window at people. What the fuck? You know, blow the horn, get right in their grill, like flip out. And I was listening to Patty Daly on local show Open Line one day. You know, he was talking about it. He said, why? And I was like, yeah, why? You know, like if someone fell off their bike, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't sit there and laugh at them and yell at them. Because really, it's only a mistake. Usually, now, if I see someone loaded fucking drunk in my kid's neighborhood, well, that's different. Or I see someone blow a stop sign, go through a, a, a crosswalk by a school, maybe a bit different. But, you know, if someone's slightly speeding or, you know, take goes through an amber light or, or is going slow in front of me, that happens a lot, right? I used to get pissed off. Get out of my fucking way, granny! What the, learn how to fucking drive! Why? Why? These people are out there not to hurt anybody. Usually, man, road rage. Really, man, you, you put yourself on this pedestal driving around. I mean, I make lots of mistakes, too. Uh, but I only started thinking this way recently. Recently, last five years, I guess. I, and I do think age has something to do with it. You, <clears throat> that, that competitive nature never left me sports-wise. I'll still, I mean, Jesus, this year in senior hockey, I, mean, I hadn't gotten in a fight in a couple of years, and this year I had a couple. Uh, you know, I'm assuming, yeah, the guys I fought were, I'm 43, they're 20 years younger, at least. Yeah, the one, the one kid was 22, but you're out there. And again, if you're going to hit one of the guys on our team, you're going to run our goal. You're going to challenge me to fight. I'm, I'm probably going to do it, but, and I'm sorry. That's, that's the, that's the competitor in me. And I'm playing a game where that's allowed to happen. Uh, I'm not blaming the fucking game. I'm saying, but that's part of the game, not allowed to happen. I can go and beat somebody up. I mean, if someone challenges me in hockey, they know the consequences. If someone runs the goalie, or if someone six foot four challenges a guy five foot seven, they know the consequences. So I'm saying within those laws of, you know, the unwritten rules in the game and the laws that make it tick, yeah, I got in a couple of fights with guys that were a lot younger than me. Uh, that's that's in a senior hockey, we're going for the herder and shit. Fuck, it doesn't happen in rec hockey or beer league. Jesus, is that my pet peeve? I got to wear sometimes a mask in beer league. I hate wearing a visor anyway. Senior, they make you wear it. But I don't get hit up there in senior because everybody's a hockey player and they know, I mean, they might run you. They might suck. The odd time they'll hit you up under there if, if it's, retaliation but as a rule if a senior hockey player which means a player that's played some level of good hockey anywhere from junior b to professional and all and usually like i said senior hockey teams now get a few pro guys bunch of college bunch of major junior i mean it's pretty much most junior a most of, of senior hockey teams here on the island have, have played on the mainlander at some point um, you know, beer league, fuck. You go out there, I don't know how many times, and people can't skate, and there's no hitting. And fuck, you get more pucks and sticks in the head, or I don't even wear shoulder pads. But the only time I ever get tripped, for example, unless it's in senior, again, or we're playing pro and you go for a breakaway or something, someone's going to trip you up. 
But you're, you got it in, in rec hockey. You could just be standing still looking up the ice and someone could be behind you and whack you. I mean it. And then after the game, you talk to them. They go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here for the boys. I'm here to play a role. No, you're not. It's beer league. I know you love the rough stuff and shit, and you love to chip in here and there, right? But that's happened. That, that, when people do that, they're talking, that's leagues that you're allowed to hit, and you're allowed to play, you know, anywhere from junior B to senior, you know, the quest for the herd or the Allen Cup. You know, leagues that allow hitting. Once hitting is not allowed, it's a good sign that your league shouldn't have fighting. If you're playing in a league with no hitting, look around, look at everybody else, and realize that maybe you shouldn't be. These guys have jobs. They're going the next day. They're, they're going out there for a workout. Play together. A little bit of a team thing, right? Go out and meet the boys. The team part of rec hockey is more in the dressing room. It's not out there. I mean, I guess you can block a shot if you want. But it's not getting under guys' skin for your teammates in rec hockey. There's no exceptions. None. So, uh, you know, I get a lot of these fans that come up and they, they'll really think that it, they're doing a good thing. Don't worry, Terry. Like, I'll go out there and I'll spear him in front of them. He won't come at you. I'm like, no, no. It's Easter weekend. We're playing for a laugh. What in the fuck are you doing? I don't care if he comes at me. Well, he's coming at you. You got the puck. I'm going to have the puck a lot. I played in the NHL. We're playing rack hockey. I'm going to have it a lot. I understand that he's going to come to me. Fuck. You don't have to prevent that. It's not the last dance. We're not going for a sixth title in eight years. Now, if someone comes at me or something, but no, it's never happened. I mean, to fight. Guys have come at me, I mean, in rec hockey, but way more than senior. Ask any professional player. You come home and you start joining a skate. All of a sudden, you get a whack over the top of the laces. Like, to me, that meant fight. That's all that meant. If someone whacked me over the top of the laces and I'm not like on a breakaway or something, it was accidental, that meant let's go. And if it didn't, you're going to get your own fucking whack across the ankles or I'm going to fucking drop my gloves and sucker you because that's a vulnerable part of the foot where you do up your laces. And to come down with the bottom of the stick over the top of that hurts no matter what. You get your skates done. Even people that don't tie them tight, they're tight. They're tighter than your fucking loafers that you're going around with in the summertime or your flip-flops or your Crocs. The skates are tight and anything coming down, and it's just usually leather or whatever the fuck they make it with now, but synthetic fibers, whatever the fuck it is. There isn't a lot of protection because if there is, you wouldn't be able to skate as fast. So in rec hockey, I don't want to get whacked across the top of the fucking foot. Jesus, it happens every third skate, man. And then you'll, meanwhile, you'll play, you know, you go out there for the herder playoffs and other than the obvious stuff, people go to hit you hard and, you know, they might whack you, you know, if the game's getting late, and you know, behind the ref's back or whatever it is. I mean, there's tactic that goes on out there, but as a rule, I'm not getting a stick up under the eye. Fuck. Anyway, how in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, he'll save us all. It don't matter. Praise Jesus. And if that's how you approach the coronavirus, you're fucked. Anyway, um, 
what the fuck was I talking about? Which which brings us back to, yes, Damien Follett. Great guy, great guest. He's coming up. I'm going to go get another coffee and uh, make sure I don't go out of my fucking mind. And I'll be right back with our fantastic, positive, beautiful, wonderful, selfless, caring, talented, artistic, and just plain energetic. Damien Follett. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome my next guest. He is a marvelous musician who's also on a mission. He's played in bands and hails from Newfoundland. He can't write your wrongs, but he sings positive songs. Many a night you just can't beat his positive attitude down on George Street. He sings songs that's true, but he actually writes them too. You want to have a good time at the bar? Just give this fella a guitar. We drink the beer and do the dances, and he sings about hope and second chances. The sounds that emit from this singer's face celebrate the fact we are one human race. I'm often ecstatic and over the moon when this fella lets me up to sing a tune. Just last week, I lost my wallet. Ladies and gentlemen, lo and behold, it's Damien Follett. Damien, good to have you. Terry, it's a pleasure, man. That was amazing. <laughs> wow. Uh, there it is. I, uh, yeah, I can't skate much uh, anymore in stick handle, but I can write a rhyme. <laughs> you sure can. I can't write a, a song. One. I can write a rhyme. You can write a rhyme. <laughs> Listen, rhymes are in songs. That's good. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. Uh, listen, buddy. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. It's great. Gracious. Just, just have a chat. I love it. Yeah, well, exactly. And uh, for those that don't know, so Damien, I see Damien all the time. It's usually it's, it's on a Friday or Saturday night when I'm going downtown to let loose. And Damien is, uh, like I said, was the uh, house musician at Greensleeves for 20 years, amongst other things, which we'll get into. I gave him a little bit of an intro for 10 minutes or so earlier, Damien. Um, and, uh, you know, normally, like I said, normally, I guess, about half the time or slightly more, we have hockey players on this show. But I like to expand it, especially now. I love to have creativity. I love to have artists on here. This time it's in the form of a musician. Damien, if you don't mind, tell us how you got started. And I know that's vague, but how did you get, I know it's Newfoundland. What were your influences growing up? Uh, man, the, the, two, the two biggest influences here, which just came out in a recent song that I wrote called uh, a tribute song for Harry, Harry Hibbs called Harry Song. Elvis Presley and Harry Hibbs were the first two records that I ever saw that I guess my dad or my older brothers had around the record player back in the day. And just, I, I just assumed that Harry Hibbs and Elvis Presley were, were both rock stars. I didn't, I had no idea where Harry was from until a few years later when my dad explained. And as legend has it, my brother tells me the story that my sister had a guitar. She struggled to learn to play it. I picked it up one day, learned three chords and the rest is history. I, I don't know if that's true, but my brother tells me it is. For those uh, that don't know, Harry Hibbs is a legend in Newfoundland. Is, is he the guy that did the live at the Caribou Club? or was it, was Yes, that, sir. He it was is, the first it? one. Yeah. So, yeah, and that might sound, I mean, when I first heard it, it sounded almost, what's the word? Not folky, but, and not childish, but when I first heard Harry Hibbs, I, I, I can't, I, I didn't, I knew it was from Newfoundland, but it almost sounded like a different place. And then it took, yes. your, I got into him, and then from there, I discovered Dick Nolan. Again, no one yeah. on the mainland is going to know these names, but they're legendary around here. And Newfoundland is really, we thrive on our, 
our uh, uh, I, I took folklore, Damien. So like our, a lot of our yeah. heritage is songs and traditions and hanging out with each other for it is. you know we're making livings on the sides of cliffs. Right yes. in the winter, how are you going to get through? A lot of it's exactly. singing, songwriting. So there's people around here. Like, for example, I know a lot of you have heard of Great Big Sea, but they become big worldwide. But we've got a thousand smaller versions of that here that are just yeah. huge, that sell out all over the place. Um, yep. So to, to hear you say Harry Hibbs and put him in the same uh, sentence as Elvis Presley, I totally understand it. And yeah, it's true. I mean, it is true, isn't it? So, and from there, yeah. so how old were you then, Damien? I was probably nine or I think nine or 10 years old, maybe like, you know, I was the youngest of three boys and my older brothers had a lot of records, a lot of vinyl records. And like I said, the, the first two that I ever saw were those two was, was Harry and, and Elvis. And, and I put it in a song. I mean, Harry and Elvis got me started up this climb of, of a hill that I've been on ever since. And when did, when did your songwriting start? Okay. You played a guitar then. When did you yeah. start going, you know, maybe I can write my own stuff. I was writing from the time I was 12, 13 years old, but I mean, wow. I wrote, you know, I wrote pretty shitty songs back then. I was a kid. What did I know? Terry I had no experience, but it's all uh, an evolution. Serious, serious songwriting started when I was probably when I got out of high school and I was 19, 20 years old and started really, you know, going out and experiencing tough times and just, you know, struggles and seeing the world as, as it really is. Cause when I was younger, I thought it was all kind of a fantasy that, you know, Elvis and, and Harry were, were just superstars and it was all a dream. But then I, you know, when you find out the real stories of their, of their lives and the, and the struggles they went through and it's uh, yeah, then you, then you realize, then you're starting writing some real good stuff. So, and I, I really don't know this. I know since I've met you and I guess that would be 20 years and a little bit before being rogues gallery. Um, and I'd like to get into that in a little bit too. I, I kind of forgot about it until I saw you post that song the other day. Yeah. Um, so after high school then, did you leave? Did you do the mainland thing like everybody else, or did you stay here and hone your craft here in Newfoundland? I pretty much stayed here. We, we toured across Newfoundland and Labrador, just did, just did a, lot of, a lot of gigs here. I mean, just the, the old saying, as you know, from, from playing hockey too, is the 10,000 hours. You know, you put that yeah. in and you become, you become a so-called, you know, an expert of, of what you're doing. So I just played and played and gigged and gigged and just, just tried to get better and better. And, and eventually, probably in my... I think it was probably mid twenties when I started going away and, and doing some stuff away, touring away. Right. But it was a, it was a long road, man. Long road. When you say away, I'm guessing, I don't know, but did you make the trek to play for Newfoundlanders and other places? I mean, that's what I, when I would live in Alberta, for example, I would go out of my way to drive to Calgary. If Irish descendants were playing, for example, did, did you do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. We, I mean, basically we, we, we did, we met a lot of Newfoundlanders on our, on our travels. I mean, not specifically doing Newfoundland shows because our music wasn't, we weren't playing trad at the time. It was more, you know, rock and roll and, and, and sort of pop country. But still, we'd, we'd run into all the Newfoundlanders and they'd, you know, they'd be glad to see us. And it was, a, it was always a, like, a, like, a, like a connection to, for all of us. Like you said, that, yeah. that creativity, the music, the culture, the folklore, those stories, those legendary stories of, of, of those guys and, and, you know, those people, right? Were your... I notice, I mean, lately, I mean, I think any fan of yours would have to notice in the last, say, let's say since 2000, a lot of your songs um, have to do with Newfoundland. I often, yeah, I see you as almost a, on a relative level for the people here it might be like the people in the Midwest hearing John Mellencamp in the mid eighties. That, that's, that's where my head goes. It, there's it's and it's wow. not a, you don't have to say Newfoundland in a lot of the songs, but 
you can tell that you're from here and you're proud of it. And sometimes you do. I just, yeah. I, I find a lot of them, they're, they're almost, they're, they're uplifting, but that's another thing. I'll get in that in a second. But the, the Newfoundland, did you start to write like introspectively about yourself, Newfoundland, or was this, you know, from, from more from traveling and looking back at your home? I think the second, the latter statement you made there about, about, about being away and then just, just realizing that longing for, for coming back here. Cause I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know too many Newfoundlanders that don't want to end up back here or, or have that connection still with their family and their, and their culture and everything. And, and I think from, from going around and just missing home and then that was always in my heart and soul that this was where I wanted to end up, you know, and eventually, you know, just live out my life. And if I was going to have kids, raise them here. So I think that was uh, this, the second part of your statement there, just, just being away from the rock. It, it sort of entrenched in me that, that wanting to talk about it and, and, you know, I guess give, give praise and homage to it. Uh, that's great. That's actually, there's always a level of comfort hearing the songs and knowing that. And I think any, yeah. I think people get the idea around Canada, at least. I mean, some of the people listening to this are all over the world and, Newfoundlanders, yeah, we're we're proud and people, and we we love the Kents. You know, I wouldn't be here otherwise either. Um, once every once in a while, especially, I remember about ten or fifteen years ago, I was a Red Bull rep, and I'd come down to Green Sleeves. I'd have a bite to eat. We'd we'd cross paths, and I remember you mentioning, "Oh yeah, I'm going down to Nashville." And what was that? Did that have to do with music? Or, or, I, I mean, I assume it did. A, a singer songwriter is going to Nashville. Um, I don't even know that connection, but I heard you talk about it. What is it? It was basically, uh, as a, I, I was going there strictly as a songwriter, not, a, not as a performer musician. It was, it was more writing songs and trying to get songs for other, for other artists. And man, Terry, it's a, it's a tough, tough town to crack. There's a, there's a core group of, of huge writers who control the town. And it's like we call it, it's almost like the songwriting mafia down there. It's really tough to get in. I was, I've been close so many times, but... I mean, it's just. Uh, I know, you know, I've heard. Is isn't? Am I wrong, or is that what the song Sixteenth Avenue" by Lacey J. Dalton is about, or is that another place? No, that's about exactly, Austin. It's yeah, about it's, Nashville. No, it's about Nashville, yeah. Sixteenth Avenue is a famous street where a lot of pub publishers and songwriters, you know, have buildings down there and write songs and and pitch songs and and basically the the thing about Nashville, Terry, it's it's kind of like a like a bigger version of 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 say, uh, Music Row is a bigger version of George Street. Like we have so much talent here, but when you go to Nashville, man, let me tell you, it's it's the it's the world hub of musical abilities. There, the guy who wow. delivers your pizza, he's probably a better songwriter than Kenny Chesney. Wow, it's, I, it's I've amazing. heard this. It's amazing. So, and how, oh. like, when you would you go down for like a few days and 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 or like a week? What would you do? You go down and write I these songs. Trips. I took. I've been there probably over a ten or twelve year period. I went there probably like you know maybe 30, 30, 40 times. I mean, you know, I had, had a lot of, uh, lot of, uh, lot of trips down, a lot, did a lot of songwriting classes. I was lucky enough to write with some really big writers. Uh, I wrote with a guy named David Vincent Williams who wrote a, a Grammy award-winning song for Rascal Flatts. I had, uh, you know, background singers from, uh, from some of the famous bands doing, doing vocals on my, on my demos. I had a lot of cool, really cool experiences, but again, getting that one big break in Nashville, it's like, it's like the lottery, man. It really is. It's, it's, uh, Boy, it's hit or miss. <laughs> I really I've, look. I find that really a lot of parallels, though. I what yours? I find on a relative level, you're similar to me in following the hockey path. You know, I got there for a bit. It was nice. I I yes. saw I saw the way it worked, and I still kind of make a living off of it or or from it yes. at least some of my living. 
So, yeah, you know, you, you see the window for a little bit and it's mesmerizing, but it, it, I mean, you must appreciate that you went through that process knowing that you're a music historian as well. I mean, was it just, yeah. yeah. Totally, because I mean, I, I wouldn't trade the experience. I mean, a lot of people say, well, it's, you know, it's disappointing. You go down and you don't get that, that one big break. But Terry, honestly, what is that one big break after yeah. all these years? Well, like, what the hell is it? Most I mean, people don't even get there. Most people don't get to Nashville to see it. To, you know, lots of people would consider that a break. You got to go down and write songs. Exactly. And, and plus, I mean, my, my big break is, is the support system that's around me, you know, including present company included. The people that push me on and the message of the music and what we're trying to do and, and make, you know, make, make a difference. I mean, that's, it's, it sounds cheesy, but it's true, man. Like, we just want to, you know, I want to make the world a better place. When, when, I'm, when I'm long gone... I want people to talk about me and really miss me, not, not bullshit. No, this, okay, so that's what I was going to get into. I've also noticed over the evolution of your songwriting, I mean, anybody who follows it would have to notice this, that it's, it's very positive, it's very uplifting. You seem to bring out whatever you're writing about, not every time, but, you know, I can't speak for every single song, but the themes of your albums, let's just say, are positivity, Human race, one human race. That's one thing I hear yeah. you say all the time. Uh, you know, let's unite uh, all these yeah. common themes of, you know, let's separate the, you, you know, the, the, the politics from it, from your opinion, from mine. Let's just agree that we all want to, to forge into the future positively. Am I wrong? And if I'm right, how did you arrive at that, you know, option to, to do that? You're, you're exactly right. I mean, that, that nails it. What, what the theme of the music is, is, is basically, you know, again, it, it is my, my tagline is hashtag one human race. Cause I, honestly, Terry, the, the way that I look at the world, especially now after this pandemic is like, as you, as human beings, we have to realize that the system is not working. The way we're doing things is not working. We gotta, we gotta make some changes and you know, there, there's nothing wrong with, with big successes and, 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 and big corporations, but we have to bring it all together and help each other out. That's how the planet's going to survive. And I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a great 11, 11 education. But I think the music is a powerful force that can be used for good. And over the years in my evolution, like you said, that's what I've, that's what I've come to. I've, I've been at the realization that if I keep doing this, you know what? Somebody out there is going to do, do, do something good for someone. And it's going to make a difference. One person, one million. I don't know. It's, it's, it's all good. Uh, no, that's fantastic. People definitely look at people at your shows. They get excited as much for the content. You know, you go out, you go out for a beer, I find, and you, you know, you want some kind of escape and everybody always likes to see Damien Fowler coming on. Now I'm certainly not for out there. For those of you out there that haven't heard Damien, I'm not painting him into one picture. Or I'm not trying to paint him into a corner. You go down, Damien will throw in a few covers Right. It could be anything. We're not tight. Every single song wasn't shot out of a rainbow. Right. There, right. there is depth, but for um, it, it's very uplifting stuff and uh, well written. And that's the thing. You're not just taking something. A lot of it comes from the heart, which is great to hear. Um, the Thanks, biggest man. change in the music industry in your lifetime. What do you think? The biggest change, I guess, is the uh, is the digital world. I mean, you know, like buying buying records is uh, is not as not as big as it used to be. I mean, you have to you kind of have to have to play live in some form. And, and I mean, lately it's been the virtual world for a lot of people. I mean, and, and listen, Terry, it might be that way for a while. I mean, our industry, we're going to be one of the last ones to open up, I think, because it's a, it's a risky thing to send people out drinking and expect them to social distance. So yeah, you're going to want to hug, we're going to want to hug each other, high five. And if you got a couple of drinks in, you know, shit's going to happen. So 
I'm a little bit nervous about that. So I think the virtual world for right now is going to be where it's, where it's heading. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think so. It's going to have to be. So yeah. it, it's not the best, Damien. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't want to say I'm sick of it, but it, it gets tedious always, you know, having to talk to your friends uh, on computer, but it could be worse, right? I mean, yes. it could be worse. We are going to come out of it. And, it, you know, ballpark, I don't know. I'm not a scientist either. I'm here in a year, eight months, 16 months, whatever right. it is. Whenever this is all completely over, I really hope yeah. it goes. And I'm sure it will. But, you know, there is an end to it. And we got to do it. If we want to be on one human race, right, we got to go through the ups and the downs. And unfortunately, this yeah. is where we are. But tell people about what, how often are you going out? And I, I don't know your format. I just turn on Facebook and I always see Damien's live and I toss it on. Is it a regular show or do you just do it when you want to? I try to do a, you know, a little bit of music every day, whether it's a song or two or a couple of songs or whatever. Just, just a little bit of inspiration for people, a little bit of you know, joy. Because, I mean, the, the music seems to be making a real difference. All of the artists that are performing, it's, it's just pretty amazing. There's such a variety out there. And I, 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 you know, I try if I'm feeling it. If I'm not feeling good, if I have a little bit of an anxious day or something, I'll probably skip a day or two. But, and I try. I mean, the weekends are, are, are bigger shows. There are, you know, people sending a lot of uh, requests and stuff. I get a lot of that. So it's... Uh, but you try to do it as much as you can because it's. I think music is a, it's 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 sort of a bond and a glue that's that's keeping everybody together right now. And you mentioned about having to talk to our friends on on Zoom and on FaceTime and all this, Terry. Picture this: if this was my childhood, if this was happening when I was 15 years old, we wouldn't be in touch with anybody, brother. We'd no, have no. a dial phone. We would. A ro rotary phone. I was telling like, my son asked me the other day. He said, "He said, Dad, what if this happened when you were my age?" I said, "Buddy." We'd have two channels on a TV, no Xbox, no computer, no cell phones, no nothing. So the world is fortunate yeah. that the and I mean, it go, go back 300 years or, or further, which is a small fraction, a hairline in human history, and we wouldn't mm -hmm. even know what was, we wouldn't know to social distance. I don't want to get wouldn't. too far into it, but I read about the Black Plague because this fascinates me. Back then, people didn't know. So they weren't, right. of course, all these people died. They didn't really know. Now we have the science, we have the technology. We, yeah. we have the science to know what's happening, and we have the technology to bond us anyway. So yes. I know what we're used to, but it yeah. could be a lot worse. Yeah, um, for sure. But in other words, totally agreed. What comes first for you, the lyrics or the melody? Usually pick up the guitar and just start playing some, some chords and get a, you know, get a, get a sort of a, like a, a, I guess, a hook or a melody or something going. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a groove. I love playing the guitar, man. Listen, if, 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 uh, if I had to choose between singing or playing the guitar, I think I'd play the guitar. I've always, so I, I, I got a guitar and I try to learn and I got so much going on and I'm trying to learn chords and I often think to myself, like at what point does it become that you just can hear it by the ear? Like I've often got up with you and when I say guys that Damon's let me up for a song, I'm, I'm saying at least, at least 40 or 50 times over the years. So it's happened a lot, yeah. but I might be able yeah. go up and go dead flowers by the stones and nobody plays that. It's not so, and you'll go, well, okay. And you'll just go right into it. It's, it takes five yeah. seconds in your head. At what point does that happen? And I'm curious as a guitar player, or <laughs> I'm not a guitar player, as an aspiring, hopeful guitar player, when does that happen? That's, you know, that's not overnight. Well, it's kind of similar to, I guess, to a, to a skill if, uh, of an athlete. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, a kid, like, say, say for yourself or someone with skating, yeah, people know that, geez, that kid is, he's better than those 10 there. Like for me, I knew at four or five years old that I could, I had an ear for music. I could sing harmony when I was five or six years old. It was just, it was innate. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I knew it was there. And it's just like, I can, 
literally, I, when I was, people ask me how I know so many songs. When I was a teenager, Terry, I must, I learned thousands of songs because it came so easily. I could hear it once, wow. play it, that's it. Now, today it's a little bit more difficult. My brain is not so fast. But, I, but it's, I, but it, I hear you. Natural yeah. ability. And yeah, yeah, I suppose in all those years of all people yelling out, it's not always brown eyed girl. <laughs> there's, no. You hear that a lot. No. But there, there's often songs that are so obscure, but uh, actually, and I'll mention it. So the Dead Flowers Day was one with Tammy and Bird Dog. Tammy yeah. Tilly and Bird Dog were down there. And they, I'll bring that up. A lot of the people um, that I that follow the show. They know of Bird Dog and they hear about the stories. Well, this was Bird Dog's favorite, favorite live performer. We used to go see him all the time. And uh, long live the dog. Um, yeah. Do you like classical music at all? I like listening to it. I wouldn't try to play it, obviously, but I, I, I try to listen, be open-minded to everything, even like opera and stuff. I mean, I, I just admire, you know, skills. I mean, my buddy David Pomeroy is an opera singer. He, hmm. He's just, he's beyond, beyond. He blows my mind. But at the same time, he comes to see me and says, man, I want what you have. That's an energy that you can't just, you can't create that shit. He's like, and that's a great compliment, you know? Um, I've never asked you this. What would be your favorite Beatles song? You know, Terry, this is funny. Never been a big Beatles fan. Oh, wow. I just assumed. So I'm pissing you off every time I get up there and say, let's sing We Can Work It Out or some shit. No, I, I mean, I know the music because it, it was just so big. You couldn't help but hear it. It was everywhere as a kid. It was all over the radio. You couldn't turn on a radio station, but it was there. But I never really got into the Beatles stuff. I mean, I can play Yesterday. I can play some of the fast songs, you know, and I want to hold your hand, things like that. But some of my buddies are fanatics. And I mean, uh, I, I've just never. I'm close to. I'm, I'm fanatical. And a lot of it is, like you said, from childhood. But, First of all, I didn't play music. My, I, I didn't play an instrument. My dad would let me play records when him and his friends had parties on Fridays. That's where all yeah. this, my, you know, and I wasn't, he's like, you, you got to entertain us. So, you know, I would have, I, I don't know, Tiffany. It was 1985. Yes, I, I listened to all the relative stuff. And he's like, get yeah. that shit off. He's like, Here, here's, here's what you can play, any of it, but this is the section that you're going to play for us. And right. there's all kinds of Beatles. And I remember like opening the record and seeing like, the words and and this, the Sergeant Pepper was like some alien tribe. Like I, I don't know, it all True. fascinated me. And then yeah. as I got older, I realized, like you say, one human race. I was like, oh, all you need is love. No wonder they were. You know, it, it's almost about what they stood for. The, the, right, and that's the thing. I think I think the Beatles influenced me in that sense of like you know the 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 one world, one love, and and, and peace, love, happiness, all those things. I I admired that about especially about John Lennon, wanting to. You know, wanting to make this world just better, you know, through through the music, yeah, through the a, message. There is a yeah. parallel, isn't there? With uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely influenced yeah. me. I mean, in, in that, in that, indirectly, I guess. Well, I would say, what's your favorite? Because I love Elvis too. What's your favorite Elvis song? Man, I think the one about the uh, in the ghetto. About in the, the ghetto, because it's still relevant today. Isn't it a it's, great song? And of all the songs, that, that's one of the ones that he co-wrote. He didn't write yeah. a lot, and, but you can hear his script coming out in that, yeah. But it's like, and the thing is, like, that's, that message is, like, unfortunately, it's still real. It yeah. shouldn't be, but it's real. This shit's still happening. It's like, man, how does, how does a world with so much, I mean, they, not to get deep and philosophical, but, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how the world is still the way it is. It's crazy, man, with all the money and the technology we have right now. Come yeah, on, with, boys, let's with get all, it together. With all the knowledge that we have, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, uh, I, I hear you. There, it, it, 
there's there shouldn't be anything weighing us down anyway how can a virus be, be controlling humanity terry when we when we are so smart supposedly yeah how can that happen when it's we're controlling so smart. us right now jesus christ i mean come on guys like <laughs> that's a good you know? point i don't know um, what other bands did you play in by the way other than rogues gallery have, have you been Damien nothing that nothing that people would know lots of cover bands I mean we had tons of cover bands just even you know as a teenager and just first I think the first cover band I was ever in was called the Castle Hillbillies we played all hokey uh you know Kentucky music back in high school it must must hone your skills though does it playing cover that's the thing yeah you listen man you you play that Eagles greatest hits record you learn that record you know how to write a good song that's that stuff that shit's real (laughs) I see I, I I suppose so um I the, going off on that then if you do, if you don't mind I know I've asked you give me another say three or four of your influences and I love I'm not, you know if, if you either love or sorry I'm not going I would assume you love you like the Beatles to each their own uh and so I'm really curious myself right I don't expect you to say the Beastie Boys but who fucking knows yeah. who do you think yeah. well Springsteen is the first I mean he's ah he was, great man listen when uh when the uh, the record came out, when you know Born to Run, when that record came out, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you a quick little story. I was probably I don't know I was in my mid-teens. Thunder Road. Uh, looking back on it, I think it brought me back from the brink of despair. Like I was a I was a messed up kid, and I think that song saved my life, man. And, and to this day, it's my favorite lyric. I just really I, I don't even I, I mean I don't even know if I'm interpreting the song the way that he wrote it. But, you know, you, you open up a song with the screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. What the hell are you talking about? Jesus. Man, that's, <laughs> it's the best opening line ever. You know, uh, yeah, so Thunder Road's in- incredible. You know what did that for me? Um, Born to Run. And then yeah, I realized, too. Then, then I listened to the words and I realized it was a love st- song, like a fast I know. love song. I went, whoa. And then I started listening to his lyrics. He's actually, glad you brought up Springsteen because he's, I didn't think he'd ever lose popularity, but everybody gets older and, you know, I'm still playing senior hockey. Some guys are 20, 21. They've all heard of him, but I'm like, you yeah. got to get really into it. Like, listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town. Like, you don't just yes. put on a song here. Listen to it from start to finish. Some of those albums are starting to become underrated. Um, and the greatness, one of the great things about Springsteen, Terry, is like he writes about such depressing topics, but he makes them uplifting. Yeah. He brings it, he brings it to the... Yeah, he brings it to the to the to the core of our being of wanting to be better. But if you dig into the lyrics, like Glory Days, for example, what a fun song! But man, that's a depressing lyric. Yeah, that is, that's an absolutely fantastic song to play. I was just going oh, through my mind as you said so that. Good. Yeah, it's it's so good. Um, so is that because uh, I have no idea what the song "Goodbye Jersey" is about? It's a great song. Is that anything to do with Springsteen or is it New Jersey? No, or? it's a, well influenced obviously from from the from the New Jersey bands. I mean, we listened to a lot of that stuff growing up, Bon Jovi and, and Springsteen, Southside Johnny, all those guys, the Asbury Dukes. But yeah. that song is again, it's about a it's about a, a, a sort of it's, a, it's such a fun song for people. But for me, it's about a depressing time in our lives when we were away on the mainland. I'm sure you can relate to this. Yeah. Some of our best buddies back here were crapping all over us because we went away and tried to do something. They were like, who the, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. And man, it was like, I was so disappointed at the time. And I was like, you pricks, man. Like, this is, come on. <laughs> right. We're just, I want you to do well. Don't you, don't you want me to do well? Like, I want you to succeed. Your success is my success. Um, they were, they were, they were not like that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's terrible because the, um, 
the negative voices are always loud. You know what I mean? They're, yes. they're always so loud and, and it can really weigh on your mind at some points, especially when yeah. you're younger. And they, I mean, uh, for me, I mean, you know, people, people may not realize about this about me, but like when, when I'm performing music, it's always a happy place. But man, listen, I got my own demons. They're still there. I'm still trying to sort them out. I'm, I'm battling with them. It's like, I'm just trying to get through it. So it's therapeutic to you writing these things. It totally is, man. Yeah. I mean, listen, as far as I'm concerned, we're all in therapy, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's in therapy. I know, like, it's funny, it, not funny. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, um, it's not funny is not the word, but every year when it comes up to, like, a Bell Let's Talk and, you know, people talking about mental health, you, what you're realizing, because, yeah, we all go through it. When I was younger, I was like, I can't really be, I can't let anybody know. Like, I'm on the Montreal Canadiens. I can't let anybody know right. that I've, you know, and, and now I find that's, that's a real change that I'm glad that happened. I know we yes. can still, we, we, we can always work on it, but it's come leaps and bounds, this mental health. I, I think yeah. if I brought up anything to do with that in high school, I might've got a punch in the face. Like I, exactly. it's come that far. It's come that yeah. far. And everybody's different and we celebrate diversity more than we ever did. Honestly, people ask me now, they're surprised that I act or that I write. And I'm like, well, I always wanted to act. I really, yeah. going to Mary Queen of the World, I probably would have gotten a fist fight if I went up on stage yes. and started to do Shakespeare or something. I know, I know, right? But <laughs> yeah. now it's completely different. Everybody's embracing that. And, and even some of my friends who are, who are you know, supposedly the, the toughest guys in town, they're calling up and making sure you're okay. Hey, man, are you okay? Do you need, do you need any help? Yeah, I Years know. ago, they would have punched me in the face. Totally, man. It's great. So it's, it's great. I do find um, a lot of this generation gets black or whatever for the Instagram and the selfies and whatever. But if there's one thing I do find there's more compassion in society. Uh, we're not yeah. where we, we're not where we want to be. Cause again, the negative voices are so loud and there's lots yeah. of them, but there's yeah. definitely more compassion. Um, totally I, I, I said a half hour. We've already gone 35. I hope you don't mind. I just got a few more no questions. Sweat, Damien, if you don't mind. No sweat. Um, okay. So to take a little log off the fire, uh, some laid back stuff. What's your favorite movie? This is going <laughs> to, I have two and they're, and they're pretty close. Shawshank Redemption and Titanic. Wow. Okay. They're close in a lot of reasons. They're, they're yeah. close uh, in, in time. I think one came yeah. out in 95, one in 1997 maybe. Yeah. Um, it's the underdog, the underdog story. The underdog story. Beautiful. Right. Um, yeah. Titanic. Can you remember how fucking big that was when it came out? Oh my that, God, man. People are starting to forget that too. And, um, Take what you want. I loved the movie. A lot of yes. people, I think, thought it was a bit over the top. I absolutely loved it. And Shawshank yeah. Redemption, Jesus, if you haven't seen that, folks, Look, yeah. Yeah, I up. think that's, that could be, it's always in my top five. I, I've said yeah. it so often. And there's I've watched so many both great those movies. movies. Yeah, there's so many great movies, each. but the acting and the, how it plays out and everything else, if you haven't seen it, um, yeah. do yourselves a favor, folks. Uh, how many times have you been in love? Oh wow, that's a tough one, Terry. Like really, in love? <laughs> really just toss in love? that in there. Yeah, I mean, say, you know, like the Beatles said, real love. I'm gonna say twice. My wife and my kids. I didn't. I didn't love my ex girlfriends, man. I, I thought you did, up. right? Like me, you thought you did. I thought yeah. I did. <laughs> and then and you I get was, older. And you're, yeah. Yeah, and I realized I didn't treat them very good, man. And and you know, I've seen. I've, I run into them these days, and we talk about it, and and, and we, we all realize none of us were ready. Yeah. Back then. So I'm going to say twice, like my wife and my kids. That's it. Yeah. I think in, in 20s, you look all grown up in, in my 20s, at least, and a lot of my friends. But I, I think in my 30s, my worldviews really started to take shape. In, in my yeah. 20s, I was, I was a little naive. 
Um, and exactly, point being, I would have thought, yeah, I was definitely in love, but it wasn't. It was lost no. in with respect. Were you? Uh, let me uh, ask you this: Were you were you arrogant in your twenties? Because I was. Yeah, I th- without knowing it, like if you would ask me, I, I I don't think like I wasn't the type to say, um, you know, let me in the club. You know who I am. I wasn't that right, type. Right. But I right. was definitely subconsciously condescending towards towards certain not, not, certain things and groups. Like okay, like. You know, I probably wouldn't have given the opera a chance. I, w- right. I would have probably said, oh, they go to the opera. Like, I probably would have not associated, not just in my head, there was some kind of barrier. Those people aren't like me. And, right. and yeah. now I realize that we're, we're one human race. Yes. Go back. There right? you go. And yeah. I'm not <laughs> good, good that you brought that up. But yes, I, that, that really is. I wasn't doing that to be cliche or to be appropriate. No. But that is my thought. Uh, okay. So two part question. Favorite place that you've ever traveled to and what is the most, uh, what's the place that you aspire to travel that you haven't been? Favorite place for me, I, my, my wife's cousin and her, and her husband have, have a cabin outside of Clarenville. It's called Muddy Cove. It's on Rexman's Harbor Pond. Terry, it's the most peaceful, peaceful place. There's good people. It's like, it's not a big, you know, it's not a sunny beach down south, but it's just one of those places where you go and you feel, you feel good about the world. There's yeah. hope. It's just that peaceful, easy feeling, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. I get it there. And I've never gotten it from traveling to to Florida or to the Dominican Republic or Mexico or anywhere else or Toronto. And I, I mean, I love to travel and I love to play, play yeah. in different places, but that's my favorite. And place that I aspire to see, more of Newfoundland. Yeah, I haven't seen it all here. I want to see more. That's, that's great answers. And, you know, I probably could have predicted that. Um, and you know what? I think, I think that's a nice place to end it. We've gone 40 minutes, and that is full circle. Uh, unless you, is, do you have man, anything you're... else to say or, or to promote, Damien. Um, Terry, there's no place like home, brother. That's there's it. no place like home. Uh, check, yeah. it, check out his music, folks. Uh, there's no place like home. Uh, that's a great one of uh, Damien's great songs. Uh, check him out on Spotify. Where else, Damien? Where can we get our uh, the website? Your- DamienFollowMusic.com and SoundCloud. You can listen to a bunch of stuff there. Uh, iTunes, everything. It's it, it's the music's out there. So I mean, and again, what I encourage people is like, listen to the music, enjoy it, share it. If you can afford to support the music, do that. If not, just spread it around. One That's last thing for. that I'm gonna say. So of okay. the songs that you do, that. I've heard over the years, you have a lot of stuff not recorded too. It comes out at the bar. I love the song Young, Wild, and Free, and it's not on Spotify. Now, I like to support our, everybody I got on Spotify because I feel a responsibility to buy the stuff I like. And I have your CDs, and I have that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known it off by heart. I can't find it. Um, I'd love to have that soon for those people out there. That's my favorite if you can track it down. I'm working on it. Yeah, if not, just check out Damien Follett. I mean it. Uh, positive songs, great, uh, well written, and uh, they got a great beat. Not only that, he's a great fella, and it's just good music all around and good vibes all around. Check it out if you're ever in Newfoundland. Look me up, and I'll take you to see him. I'm, uh, I love any bar that Damien Follett's playing in the background is a bar that I love to be in. Buddy, it was great to have you, and I really appreciate it. And maybe have you back again sometime. Good luck with all this. Thanks for your friendship, Terry. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. Love you, my friend. See ya. Love you too, bye. On a map of Canada, they call this island Newfoundland. 
The locals prefer to call it The Rock. It's a place like no other with a rich history filled with unbelievable triumphs and unbearable tragedies. If you grew up here, you probably know some folks who moved away to make a better life for themselves and their families. But no matter where they go, be it Ontario, Alberta, or anywhere else, they never forget where they came from. And through it all, one fact remains unchanged. There really is no place like home. This rain and fall. There it is, folks. Damien Follett. There you go. One uh, great fella. Love his stuff. Positive guy. Listen to his to Penny Lane just walked in. Now, Penny Lane here. You, um, I think you know Damien Follett. I play him sometimes in the car. What's your favorite song that he sings? Isn't that the guy who sings No Second Chances? Yes, it certainly is. There you go. No Second Chances. So that would be your favorite. A positive song. Um, and I suppose, well, you, I've played him for years. That would have been when you were about three or four years old. I'm surprised you remember. And by the way, now that you're here, what are you up to today? Well, I just came over because mom had to work and I'm snuggling with princess and talking to friends. Are we going to go on a bike ride today? Well, I mean, it was snowing. (laughs) Ah, yes. On top of everything else. That's bad about this year, 2020. It's snowing right now in May, but I think that'll supposed to be a high of six. Rejoice six. Uh, but if so, we'll go on. We'll go on a bike ride. Okay, princess. Here, princess, take her, take her in the room, will you? <laughs> She's getting. <laughs> thanks. Uh, princess gets excited when there's a visitor. She's a cat. She's. She was only born when in September, so she th- she thinks oh, get the marbles out of your mouth, too, right? She thinks this is normal, um, but then she's a kitty, and maybe she's just excited to see anybody that walks in the door. But either way, Penny Lane leaves, and the cat goes over to the door for like two hours and just sits there looking at the door and meowing. Now, I can see a dog doing this. Most cats don't become that attached, do they? Maybe they do. And I'm here all the time, and I treat Princess fantastic. Um, but maybe maybe she's sick of me. I don't know, but she loves Penny Lane. And Penny Lane leaves, and then she'll go, and I won't be able to find her, and she's asleep in her coat or some shit like that. In any case, she's a cat. What do you expect? It's a cat. It's a cat. Keep it down. In any case, yes, Damien Follett, great. Uh, there's, and there's a, actually a song that Penny Lane brought up, No Second Chances. It was one of my favorites by him. And uh, anybody in Newfoundland will know, and I encourage you when this is all over to not only get out and see Damien, but get out and enjoy that live atmosphere again. Uh, of course, we need the vaccine and, and or a shitload of testing before that happens. But actually here in Newfoundland, we're looking all right. Like I said, we're like two or three weeks with no cases. Now, if you don't let I me, mean, I'm under the impression that if there's a lot of tests and we don't have any here and we're an island, so it's hard to get in or out. If you want to come in on a plane, maybe take a test or you want to leave and come back. Is, is there a way for that? Maybe I'm an idiot, but if we don't have any, shouldn't we be done with it? Can't you... Okay, so if no one else comes into this province, then we're done with it. Like, we've been done now, I think, like, three or four more days, and we've been almost, like, a month, or three or four more days, and we've been a month with no cases. So i got to think, 
we have an opportunity here to go back to normal before most places in North America out of sheer geography and population and circumstance. Uh, people have to come into the island. I get it. Like business has to be conducted to a, to, to a point. I get it. Not all business, of course. Um, but yeah, and who knows each, each day, it seems something develops. Um, let's see. I was going to talk about politics a bit, but I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that. I know I talked about it earlier, maybe for another day. This is a rather positive show having Damien on and not that I only want to ignore anything else that goes on, but I do have a strong opinion politically and I, I kind of stay muffled and it's gotten to a point that I think I need to unleash uh, at least my worldview, my opinion. It's time for a rant. Uh, and maybe that'll come next time. Is it, to be honest, it's too long. We've, we're, we're over an hour in and what I got to say, I know myself is going to take a while. Uh, and I don't really want to get political too often, but it's got to be said. And basically the gist of it though, is that please everybody make decisions for yourselves and, you know, base, base it on science, please. Uh, your moral compass is fine. If, if that's religious, and it really, I mean, like my mother, like half my family, I live in Newfoundland. You know, I get on here again. I'm not bashing religion. I get, I get it. I get it. I get it. But certain things thinking that this is going to be solved because Jesus is the savior and he's going to protect who he picks. I don't, I don't, I strongly believe that that's not the case strongly. Uh, and I'll get into more reasons for that next and next time. And I'll try to make it, I'll try to make it as lighthearted as I can, because right now it's not going to be lighthearted when I turn on the TV and see what I've seen the last few days. In any case, I'll leave it at that for now. What else? I mean, obviously, right? Obviously, Southern Scholar socks make superior dress socks. They've re reinvented the dress sock to form fit to your foot and stay up your leg. I'm serious. Now, this is my guarantee. They'll be the best dress socks you've ever worn or your money back. Go uh, use promo code THPN for $5 off your next purchase. Um, yeah, they're unbelievable socks. Just check into it, man. Uh, and, uh, Penny Posh, Penny Posh designs, the hoodies are unreal. We've actually got some orders and people are not hesitant to send back a thank you. And I haven't heard anybody yet be upset. Penny Posh designs. Like I said, the hoodies are one twenty nine ninety nine. I think for this COVID period, they're $69.99, and my father and I will both sign, uh, toss in a signed picture. What else? Uh, NHL. Hopefully it comes back, but I wouldn't get my hopes up yet for those out there that saw the Bundesliga last, this weekend in Germany. There are a lot of differences. My biggest thing is the, the season. Like the, you know, I get, I, I, of course, hockey's going to come back. It has to come back at some point. I mean, it could be. Three years from now, it could be a month from now, whatever they, but it's going to come back. So whether it comes back, I think, is not the question. It's when, you know, pertaining to this COVID. I mean, obviously, but what I'm saying is this season. Like, I don't know if anybody looked, but it's May. I know time doesn't matter to most, but it's May. They're going, well, you know, maybe in July and August. Okay, but when does, when does the 2019-2020 season end? Like, and the other one begin. They're saying, well, we got to want to get all 82 games in. 
how the fuck are you going to do that? So you, 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 you play the 1920 season up until October of 20, and then you start the next season. When do you start the next season? How are you going to get your 82 games in? I just, you know, I'm all about tradition and trying to get it all in, and I feel bad for guys like Austin Matthews that were at 47 goals and would have been very historic moments for him to get three more goals. And what did he have left? Ten at least games. So far away now, I forget. Uh, you know, guys like that, but what are they really? They're statistics. Like, honestly, my mom gets that she's, she's I order a casket. She's 67. I find it, you know, she's smoked. She's got diabetes. And everybody's got people like that. I'm just saying she's the one person in my family. I think I'm pretty sure that if she gets it, she's going to need serious help. Um, I'm sure everybody's kind of attached to somebody. I mean, you know, it's not just elderly. It's bad immune systems, whatever it might be. I'm not saying that these hockey players have them. I think there's totally, if you were to quarantine a league, which pretty much they've, they've done, and bring only the players back, but there's a lot that goes with that. Then how, do, do they quarantine then on their own? Do they go back to their families? And then do their families have to trust that all of those 25 guys and everybody else that they're dealing with at the rink, that they're doing the same thing? Because if not, if there's a squeaky wheel or, or a cog in that wheel that becomes vulnerable, then you're all fucked. That, that's why I think it'll be tough. Um, I want it to happen more than anything. And, of course, there's ways. There's people sitting in rooms, scientists, uh, businessmen, you know, league execs, Gary Bettman, I'm, I'm sure they have way better ideas than I do. But from what I've heard, being hub cities and finishing this season with all 82 games and shit like that, I don't see how it's going to happen. In fact, I find it premature to even be talking about that. Um, but I'm basing most of my opinion on the United States. I'm just looking at what's going on down there. And they're opening up when the deaths are going up. And it's just become a number. So people don't, obviously, the people in the United States are saying, fuck it. We're just going to open up with way more lax rules than we have here. Like I said, Newfoundland, I'm still on kind of, you know, we're social distancing, quarantine, pretty serious. You know, the bars aren't open. There's no sports. There's, we're where everybody else was, but we've been doing the same thing the whole time. I know there's phases. Yeah, I guess we can go to parks now, but you go to the park. I went to Boring Park yesterday on my bike. There's people real far spread out. There, it's not like the pool is open. When I say park, I mean, this thing is massive. It's 100 square kilometers or some sure. How many? How many acres? Not square kilometers. Uh, I would say it's 100 acres, though. I don't even know what an acre looks like. I just know I used to live on a three-acre lot. And if that was three acres, then Boring Park's at least, at least 100. I'm thinking more than that. In any case, you know, so there's 100 people scattered throughout i can still consider that social distancing even though the parks were closed i was riding my bike through the parks the whole time and i'm make those apologies i suppose maybe that was ignorant but i don't know i just i look out i, I don't know what's closed and what's not i look out i get to the top of a fucking hill on my bike i go to where there's no people if that's a park it's a park i suppose but now they're open but i mean like people in newfoundland aren't even up in arms that much i mean we got people kind of upset but we've had no cases. People here have a reason. I'm not one of them now. Again, I'm really protective. I want my mom to live. I say my mom because she got health problems, but my father, you know, they're both in their late 60s. 
There's other people in my family that are obese. There's other people in my, I mean, my extended, um, that uh, have asthma, that just aren't healthy, that don't take care of themselves. There are substance abusers in my family, like anywhere else. Like, you know, I'm sure I'm going, extending it. All kinds of Ryans and Tucks, and I'm related to a lot of people in Newfoundland. I'm, ju I'm just saying there's lots of people that might uh, be victims, you know, that, that might die if they get it. So as we're talking about that, I just find it almost, A, extremely callous to talk about my own minor, you know, inconveniences. I wouldn't even say problems. Inconveniences. As long as I'm breaking even, which I am. I'm about breaking even in this. I, after, after all is said and done, my bills are paid for the month. I have about an extra... $200 left over and that's just after essentials and I've mathematically figured it out. I get certain things at Coleman, certain things at Costco and certain things at no frills because of price and it gives me something to do. I get on my bike, I throw on my backpack a couple times a week, throw on my fucking mask and I go to these stores and I get certain things at certain places because they're cheap and after all that I got about 200 bucks left for the month, and that usually goes towards a pizza for Penny Lane and I on a Friday before Senior comes down. Uh, and it goes towards, usually last week it was, um, or last week, yeah, it was some things for her bike, like a bell and stuff like that. So I'm living modestly, trust me. I'm not making much money at all. I'm not making any. Um, just enough to pay my bills, and that's fine. But it, where was I going with that? I don't really remember. But, I mean, I'm looking at the TV, and I see people. I see a lot of hate out there, man. And I see, you know, a lot of confrontational um, conflict. And people have to unite. That's why I wanted Damien on here today anyway. He's a positive light in an otherwise negative time. And I think most people think like Damien and I, I, I do, I believe in, in humanity, but all I can say as we sign off here is please, please inform yourself and listen to science. And if the channel you're watching focuses on one, if, if it's political and it focuses on one party over the other, maybe flip on the other channel. Get both sides of the equation and realize that this is not a partisan thing. This isn't a political thing. It's a fucking virus that's killing people, right? And I don't, I firmly believe that we have to go with science. People like Dr. Fauci um, that we're watching here in Newfoundland, um, Dr. John, Dr. Haggy. Dr. Haggy, I mean, these people are doctors. I can go on and on, but just everywhere, every, I'm guessing, province, state, across, just one second, just one second. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, technical difficulty. Anyway, um, yeah, everywhere out there, if you have access to a phone or a computer or even book, please educate yourself on this. Don't 
the leaders of political parties are most of them are good. They're going to try to steer you the right way, but you know, don't go out and and just listen to Donald Trump blindly or, or Joe Biden for that matter. Although I believe Biden is just putting his faith in scientists, as as you should. Um, this sucks, and I know it sucks, but please listen to health experts and professionals. And even if they open up your place, keep the social distancing in. I know a lot of people don't give a fuck and you're laughing and I'm, I'm hearing interviews even locally on Open Line or, or CNN or Fox or MSNBC or CBC or CTV or whatever it might be. There's never-ending coverage on this stuff. But, you know, be smart. Maybe take in the information, like I've often said, and I often go back to, you know, you get people all over the world that flock to a certain spot just to see an eclipse. How do you know? From both parties, they, again, it's not partisan. You flock from all over the world and you'll go see an eclipse. How do you know that's going to happen? You know, I, hello, Mr. Smith, how you doing? Good, I'm here to see the eclipse. Praise Jesus. Right? Nothing else. This is it. The world is flat. There's no climate change. Praise Jesus, because he's going to save us. Okay, Mr. Smith, why did you come see the eclipse today? Well, I've always wanted to see an eclipse. I thought, you know, I've read... Lots of great books on the subject. And, you know, my kids, I figured, you know, it's only going to happen once every second, 70 years in this particular spot. Okay, perfect, Mr. Smith. Now, how do you know it's only going to happen once every 70 years? And how do you know it's going to be an eclipse today? Well, because so-and-so scientist said so. Exactly. Exactly, Mr. Smith. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Anyway. Take care. I love humanity, and I want to see as many people survive and thrive, and I want to see the economy get back as soon as it can, and I want to see hockey. I want to see goals. I want to see hits. I want to see fights. I want to see whatever it takes. Outside of Brand Marchand kissing a guy on the ice, probably won't go in any fucking era, COVID or not. I want to see all of it. Let's just do it responsibly. Let's do it informed, and let's make our own personal decisions based on the benefit of humanity and one human race, like Damien Follett said, one human race, hashtag. Think about it. Okay, we'll be back soon. Take care, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. We'll be back in a few days. Love you.